Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Eric Schultz. But the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle, the award-winning columnist who is frantically typing away again. I always feel bad, man, because especially right now, this week, I have I really have nowhere to be. Uh, my son is with my parents because this is kind of their day to take him. And I went grocery shopping at Meijer and I'm doing this podcast. And every time I call you for this, I know it's only like 40 minutes out of your time. But with the way that you just churn out all these columns, um, I, always, I, I hope I'm not throwing a wrench in your plans. <laughs> no, can you actually hear me typing? I can a little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want that. You know, actually, one of my Clark Wade, who is our wizard with the podcast, has told me to stop doing that. Um, I'm not working on stories when I'm talking to you, but but part of this job is I get a lot of emails from readers, and I just it's like customer service, you know. I how can, yeah. I I've got to respond, and what I'm not going to do because I I hate you know someone sends you a long email and you respond back with like a thumbs up or a thanks for writing or like they always, they anyway there's there's a lot of writing I do that never makes it into the paper is all I'm saying so I I try to squeeze it out when I can but I will stop doing it right now because nobody wants to hear it. click 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 <laughs> I used to get listener feedback not to the scale that you get because uh, it's a, it was a much smaller platform on AM radio but I always tried to respond to each and every one just because. I don't know. It was important to me. If somebody took the time to say something, even if it was something crappy, I wanted to respond to either clarify or what. And sometimes, and I'm sure you run into this, Greg, sometimes somebody sends you something crappy and then you send something back cordially and they immediately put the defense shields down. And they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then again, some people just dig in and there's there's no reasoning with a few of them. So I get that, too. Yeah, I don't respond to the crappy people very much anymore. I used to, and I used to see the same thing you saw, um, but I don't care anymore. I, I don't. Now, if I get the impression that they actually subscribe to the paper, sometimes you can tell, like, you just read mm -hmm. this and you don't like it. Well, I don't owe you anything. But if I get the sense that you actually, you're a, you're, you're a subscriber, then I'm a, I'll respond nicely. Anyway, people just, more than ever, people are, are absolute idiots on email and Twitter and everywhere else because they can be. And uh, you just got to pick your spots because I, you know, it's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down too much because I, before I've responded to people in a way that I can get fired for because I, I don't, I mean, I've challenged people to fights. I've told people where to meet me and, and, and I've shown up there and no one's been there to meet me, but um, I don't mean since I've been at the star and yeah, maybe twice here, but um, I've challenged people to fights before. <laughs> like, okay, listen, I'm going to be behind the Kroger on Emerson between five and six today, the whole, the whole hour. I'll see you there. And they've never shown up, but so I don't need to be doing that. Yeah, it's not good for your mental health to be worried about all of that. Well, not even that you're concerned. I mean, I know you can hold your own in a physical altercation with people with your training and everything like that. Uh, let's talk about the Colts. They get a win in Houston. And some people said, hey, they got lucky. The last fumble was lucky. But that was a game outside of when they briefly trailed 10-7. The Colts didn't really trail in that game. So... I don't know. I, I didn't feel like I, I think there are sometimes you win a game you have no business winning. Um, I didn't feel like that was that kind of a game. I, I think the Colts caught a break at the end, but I, I thought still they were the better team. Oh, for sure. They were the better team. And yeah, they caught a break at the end. But, you know, this is a Colts team that I I don't know how many breaks they've had this year. I don't, I don't know how many games you say, boy, the, the ball just bounced right for him. And maybe it's happened a time or two and I'm just not recalling. But I, I actually had a sentence and I took it out of the story. I think mainly just to save some space, but I wrote that a Colts team that doesn't hadn't got a lot of breaks of the season finally caught one at the end, and you don't apologize for that, but they were the better team. Um, 
it was a weird. I mean, it's a weird deal how no, nobody's defense could do anything in the first half, and nobody's offense could do anything in the second. That was a strange deal. But the better team won, and Jonathan Taylor was getting better as the game went along. We saw a couple pieces that were nice. The the piece that Jonathan Taylor is looking better. That's really nice. The piece that tight Ty Hilton still has the explosion to have that kind of game. That was nice. And um, the, the piece that Chaz Green can you know not get Philip Rivers killed. That was nice. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Rivers, and I feel like really uh, in the last two wins, his performance has kind of gotten overshadowed because the Green Bay game got so wacky at the end with the penalties and everything like that and then into overtime. And that Houston game, the second half, nobody offensively could do anything. The Colts offense put up a fat donut. Obviously, the only points came on the safety. But I, I really think that it, it kind of got lost in the shuffle, the, the fact that Phillip Rivers, I, I think ever since that Browns game, has really played at a high level. Yeah, he, he wasn't great against Baltimore. Nobody was great against Baltimore. But for the most part, you know, if you take Rivers, I, I don't know how long it's been, five or six weeks. If you take the last month and a half of Phillip Rivers, I would have happily signed up for that uh, seven days out of the week. But if, if you would have told me that he could provide that for a team in August in, in this really critical middle-of-the-season stretch run here. Well, and especially if, if he could provide that despite the normal wear and tear and that you're going to get beaten up and banged on. And he's had uh, the last two games he's played hurt, you know, with the turf toe. But yeah, I, I was, I, I'm going to look it up right now. His last, like, uh, I think his last seven games, um, his his passer rating is is uh, hmm, ninety nine point eight, so hundred. That's Pro yeah. Bowl level. He's been playing mm-hmm. at a Pro Bowl level uh, for the last seven or eight games, which is kind of weird because we we all kind of thought, well, he, he's washed up. He's not. He's not washed up in his last seven or eight games. And you could say that coincides with getting more familiar with the players around him and, and with Jonathan Taylor maybe emerging a little bit more finally as a running back and, and rookies like Michael Pittman, um, A, not being hurt anymore, but B, you know, understanding where he goes in the offense. So he, the offense is getting better until that second half where nothing happened, but that's just the damnedest thing. Yeah, it does feel like they're finally making some progress there, and I think it, it kind of starts with Taylor, doesn't it? Because he had the turnaround against Green Bay, and, and it feels like – and I know he didn't play last week, but it feels like things are starting to click for him, and he's running with a physicality that we didn't see. I, I, I don't think I saw him break a single tackle in the first half of the season. It just feel, felt like every time he got hit, boom, down. And it, it, he's dragging people now, um, which is great to see, and and the Colts getting some contributions from from others as well. Um, I, you know, I was thrilled to see T.Y. Hilton have a breakout. I'm not expecting him to go for 100 yards every game now, but it was a long time coming for a guy that you know. You talk about not catching a break this season, Greg. The, the guy that's been the most unlucky individual player, I think, has been Hilton, just because even when he's been pretty good, he's been interfered with. So you look at the box score and you see three catches for 30 yards, and you don't realize, hey. He also drew two defensive pass interference battles. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think he's been fine. I just don't think he's been like a number one type receiver, the guy that we're used to seeing for so many years here. Yeah, I mean, he's had a drop or two or, or maybe three. Um, but he had a touchdown called back because there was a flag. And, of course, yes, he's had two or three deep, deep penalties against him. I mean, against the other guy, but it cost him catches. So, yeah, he, he's been better than the numbers would suggest. He's not been the T.Y. Hilton we've gotten used to seeing over the years. But that guy's been hurt so much. Ankles, and yeah. it's always been legs. Ankles and calves and and maybe knee, I'm not really sure. Quads, probably. Uh, a guy that small whose game is predicated on being more explosive than everybody else out there, you can only take so many of those injuries before you're knocked back 3%. And that 3% is the edge you had. So I'm not sure we're ever going to see T.Y. Hilton, and I'm sure we're never going to see T.Y. Hilton again be a 85-catch, 1,200-yard guy. But he's better than we've seen, 
And we saw that on, on Sunday. We saw that he, he's still capable of being that guy from every now and then. And you got to take that when you can get it. And we'll examine this later on because uh, now is not really the time. But just kind of off the cuff because I'm curious what you think because I, I feel pretty strongly about this. Um, do you think T.Y. Hilton is back with this team in 2021? Uh, no. No. Yeah, me well, I mean, if he's back, if he's back, it'll be on a little bitty contract. Um, you know, they, they might give him, a, you know, a one-year deal for – I don't even know what the numbers would be. But the only way he's back is if he swallows some pride and comes back because he just likes it. He likes it here. But – are the Colts going to compete with anybody else that might try to sign him? No. If there's anybody out there that might drive the price up, the Colts will let him go, um, I think. Now, they do like him very much in the locker room, and this is just so odd that I'm saying that about T.Y. because for years I didn't think that would be true, and I'm not sure for years it would have been true. But in the last couple of years, it's become true for sure. Um, not only is he a good locker room guy for the younger players, but he's just so tough, and he, and he will play hurt. So I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that they're going to be happy to be rid of them, but if, they, if if they've got to pay a premium at all, someone else will pay that premium because he he's going to be gone. Can't you just see the Jets or the Raiders or somebody like that like swoop in with like a three or a four year deal? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, a team, just, right? Yeah, yeah. A team, right? They they can't get anybody good any other way, and that's kind of the the nature of the beast. You sometimes you got to roll the dice on somebody because you know that you can't compete with teams for real players. So you try and find guys that, like a T.Y. Hilton, who might just have, you know, they might have that gear that they haven't shown for two years. It might still be there. Let's go take a shot. That's probably what will happen with T.Y. Someone will take a shot with them, and I don't think the Colts will match it at all. Yeah, somebody always pays a number two wide receiver, number one wide receiver money in free agency. It just feels like that happens all the time where you're like, wait, that dude got signed for what? So but I you also like, wonder about yeah. T.Y. is if he was paired up with a, with a legit number one receiver, which he's never been, never been, even – you know, Andre Johnson won, obviously won that, and Reggie Wayne was just kind of on the wane. In the career. twilight, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if T.Y. went somewhere where there was, I, I don't know who it would be, but just a legit number one where where T.Y.'s just getting one-on-one, like you can't roll anybody over there to him, he'd be pretty good. I think it'd be great if you paired him, and I wish the Colts did this, and, and we never got to really see it with like Devin Funches and some of the other guys that they got, with a big guy. You know, like a, a big target where you have Hilton, who's small and speedy and, and just a great route runner. And then you have just a big jump ball. Hey, go up and get it, guy, where you have kind of the, the dichotomy of those two. And, and the Colts were never ever really to do that. Well, Pittman is kind of that guy. I mean, now we haven't seen the jump balls. We haven't seen that. But Pittman is. I mean, Funches, pound for pound, inch for inch, for inch Funches might have Pittman by one inch and 10 pounds. But Pittman's 6'4", 225. Yeah, you're and, right. And I'm intrigued by him so much, and, and I, I've got a couple emails, transcripts of past press conferences with Colts players and coaches saved because I'm hoping that the day is going to come where I can write a Michael Pittman column off a game. Like, you know, this past game, for example, had, had he won it, had he scored a touchdown later, someday I'm going to write a Pittman column. And I've been select, uh, saving these quotes. Um, they describe him, the way they describe Pittman is not how you describe most receivers. They describe him almost like you describe Quentin Nelson. Like he's trying to hurt people out there um, legally, but you know by lowering his shoulder, he he's not. You're not tackling him. He's trying to hurt you, and I'm I'm intrigued by that very very much. What do you think of that fourth and one call? Because obviously that was a polarizing decision. Reich deciding to go for it. Um, Himes getting stuffed, and then you end up with the safety, but still a four and six point lead is is negligible, right? Uh, Houston still could have scored a touchdown, kicked the extra point and won. Um, that call, if you kick the field goal, presumably you go up seven and at least protect yourself to 
potentially have a worst case scenario of overtime. But what did you think of that whole thing? Well, I I like I like going for it very much. I, I do. I, I but I hate the per. And I don't. I I might even like it maybe if it was Jonathan Taylor running the ball or Jordan Wilkins. I don't like Naheem Hines. I don't. I mean, that's so obvious um, that you don't. If you're going to run. You know that part of the field. There's there's nowhere for the defense to be spread out. They're going to be packed against the line. A because it's fourth and one. B because there's nothing behind them to protect. Uh, they're at the five or whatever. There's nowhere to go if there's no hole. So you better have a guy in there who can get himself a few feet if he has to. Naheem Hines not that guy. And Frank Reich is so good and so smart that I don't really understand where that's coming from. Part of me wonders, and I have to believe it's Tom Rathman. Tom Rathman, because Reich yeah. always talks about Rathman, you know, this guy got more carries, more snaps, because Rathman felt he was ready. He always talks about Rathman is almost in charge of playing time for the running backs, and maybe that's the way it is. So maybe that call was made, and he didn't even know who the running back was out there, and Rathman's in charge. I don't know, but it was a bad, bad, but that was stupid. I, I will say that. I think what it is, and this is a guess, but I, I, I think Jim Aiello, your colleague, may have asked Reich about this several weeks ago because they kept running – Hines in these situations where he's trying to run between the tackles and everybody's like, wait a minute, Hines is the guy that you needed space. Like Hines is in a bowling ball back. And Reich alluded to the fact that he wanted to keep teams guessing. But the thing is, is that that, that play has no chance. Like Hines, your other colleague, Nat Newell had a, a, a stat where I think Hines has gotten seven or eight carries like that in second and short and third and short. And it's been a negative play. It's, it's like negative one yards that he's been able to get. So surprising teams, who cares? And, and the other problem I had with that, Greg, is that why is Rivers in there? At least put, you know, you know me, I'm not a Brissett guy, but fourth and one, at least put Brissett in there so you have the threat of the, the sneak. Rivers isn't going to sneak, and he's especially not going to sneak with a turf toe. Well, that's, that's why I think everybody's in agreement just about that. It's not about you kick the field goal. It's, I, I think we all just would have liked to have seen a better play. And yeah, Reich has said that, that. He said that yesterday. You got to give the local guys credit. The, the Colts just won a game and an important game, and they're you know they're they're more control of their destiny than they were before. And he had a post uh, a one day after, like he always does. He has a Zoom call with the reporters the Monday after games. And I saw the transcript. I wasn't on it, but I saw the transcript. He must have been asked. I'm gonna say there was if there was ten questions. If there were ten, seven of them were about that fourth and one play. I mean, and they won the game you would think that play cost them the game because they were grilling him on like why and why and why. And he kept answering it. And they kept asking him more and it was pretty good. Um, but Reich, you know, finally came out and said something like, um, I like the aggressiveness. I'm not sorry we went for it, but I don't like the play call. The play call was not good enough. So he, you know, what I hate is when coaches say I do it all over again, but we, we, have, we, we know for a fact it didn't work. So are you stupid? What do you, what do you mean you do it all yeah. over again? Reich didn't say that. He, he'd go for it again, but he wouldn't go for it that way. And I think that's all we want to hear and, and hopefully see going forward. Yeah, I respect admitting mistakes. Um, and that's great that they, they put his feet to the fire for that because I think it was, it was the most interesting aspect of that game, I think. Uh, certainly one of – it could have been a, a really critical – you know, if, if Deshaun Watson doesn't fumble that snap, then, you know, that's, that's the play that essentially maybe decided that game. So I can understand him getting grilled on that. That's just, that's refreshing, Greg, because I've been told that the local media doesn't grill anybody on anything in Indianapolis, right? Aren't we, aren't we really soft here? Indy media? Um, we do. <laughs> no, we're not soft, soft. We listen, I, I've, I've been there and I've been impressed with, uh, with guys, um, 
you know, and I, I don't want like talking about other other websites, but you know, Kiefer will sit there. Zach Kiefer will sit there and flat out ask a question. This back when he was working for us, he'd ask a question. I'd be sitting next to him, and I'd kind of like want to cringe because holy cow, couldn't you have worded that a little bit more delicately? I mean, he goes right at somebody, like the coach mainly. And I'm thinking, and that sounds like me about 10 years ago asking LeBron, you know, why why are you shrinking in the fourth quarter? There's got to be a better way to ask that question. So, yeah, no, we're, we're not soft. Um, but if you're going to rank media markets, we're not – you know what we're not? We're not D-I-C-K-S's. We're not – Yeah. Some – like I used to be. Um, just we're all trying to get on TV being tough guys. And you can see it happening. We're not that. Um, so, anyway, I, I would say – if I had to rank our media market, we're probably right in the middle, which is where you should be. We're not soft, but we're not absolute idiots. You, you know what I think it is, honestly, Greg? Um, I think in Chicago and New York, they thrive off of chaos and the teams struggling because that's what the fans like. They like to call in and trash the Knicks on New York Sports Talk Radio or go after Jay Cutler or, or Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. Here... When the team loses, fans check out. <laughs> no, nobody, you know, I'm sure you see it. You get less clicks when the Colts stink. Uh, we always got less calls when the Colts stink. So I think that's part of it, too, is that, you know, the negativity, I, I think, just plays better in other markets than it does here. And, and I think I, I'm not going to speak for you because I'm not a fan per se, but I do like to see the Colts, Pacers, IU, Purdue, Butler, the whole thing do well. Like, I'm not. I'm not rooting for them to fail, so I think to myself, oh, well, Greg and I in the podcast, I can't wait to tee off on somebody. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And um, I, I, listen, you need to know this, that that I mean, everything you said is right about the fans would rather read about, click about, call about a winning team than a losing team for sure. But the one thing that I've noticed about, about here, and it's probably the same everywhere else, but when, when it's really bad, they like really bad. I mean, they don't like it but they're interested in really bad. So when they have a game where they just flat out embarrass themselves and I, and I just go nuts on somebody, that story go, gets clicked, I mean, crazy amounts. People like to yeah. read pure fury if it's deserved. But when the culture – I mean, the last three or four years, they've been kind of meh. You know, they're 8-8 eight eight every year, or even 4-12, mm-hmm. and 12, but they're 4-12 with Jacoby replacing Luck in the last minute, so we all understand it. Meh doesn't sell. Nobody cares about meh. We want really good or really bad – and the Colts been in the middle, and right now they're pretty good. Um, yeah, I had something else to go, say, but I've forgotten, so we'll we'll end there. <laughs> something else that I wanted to touch on because you, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but you were tweeting about it yesterday, and it, and it is interesting. Um, even though it, as Rivers continues to play this well, assuming that he wants to play in twenty twenty one, I do think that he's going to be back here. But clearly, the Carson Wentz situation in Philadelphia has reached the point of no return. The Jets with their disgusting tank on that last play to do a sellout blitz like that from midfield with 10 seconds left tells you all you need to know they're, they're in it for Trevor Lawrence. So you're thinking that Wentz is going to be available. Uh, Sam Darnold likely is going to be available via trade. There may be some other people that I'm missing on here. Those are the two most prominent names. Um, What do you think the Colts are going to do heading into next? Or or is that still to be determined to see how rivers finishes here? I mean, I think it's gotta be determined, Uh, but Carson Wentz is very interesting, uh, and this is that's I tweeted out because that yesterday that that there's a lot of chatter, um, and I'm not saying it's Colts fans, but there's chatter like in Philadelphia mainly, is that you know trade him to the Colts, you know that tra- he was great with with uh, Reich and the Colts have Rivers and it makes a lot of sense and in that way it does, but Wentz is a shell of himself since that knee injury, just an absolute shell of himself, and he's getting worse. It's almost like it's in his head now, 
So I, Wentz is fascinating to me, but I think, and he's 28. He's not, yeah. he's not young anymore. He's, this should be his prime. I don't think you want to, you know, you got one shot at quarterback and you can't kind of hope. Sam Darnold sucks. Okay. Sam Darnold sucks. I, I don't know why people talk about <laughs> Sam Darnold at all. I mean, I don't know. Why do they talk about him at all? He sucks. He's never been good. At Southern Cal, he was a guy that would get you fired because he's going to go for it. He's going to throw the ball stupid, and he's going to get picked a lot. And Sam Darnold sucks. And there's no way he's learned anything good from Adam Gase. Like, he hadn't, yeah, but he's got three years of good tutelage. No, he doesn't. Adam Gase sucks. Um, so I, I think Rivers Rivers is the guy over those two, And but we got to see how the season ends. I think I think if, if Rivers can maintain where he is right now, he's back for sure. If he starts to fall off a cliff again, all bets are off. It's crazy with Darnold because people that know a lot more about playing quarterback than I do swear. Like I know Dan Orlovsky is one of them off the top of my head that just swear that once he gets with a competent franchise, he's going to take off. Like he has all the tools to be a franchise quarterback. And I'm kind of like you because I, I watched him a decent amount at USC too, and I never really saw what the BFD was with with Darnold. Um, I, I just feel like it's it's really unfair to judge anybody to me uh, based on that, that franchise. It, it's the worst major pro sports franchise to me. It, they, they've taken the baton from the Knicks in their same town. The Jets are just a total disaster. But for Wentz, um, I, I hope he's not mentally broken. He needs to get out of Philly. You know, RG3 had a great first season in Washington, and it, we come to find out that it ended up being a total fluke. Yeah, he tore up his knee and all of that, but really he, he was never that guy again. And I know Wentz has a little more of a body of work, but I do wonder if maybe, you know, maybe 2017 was just a massive fluke. I I have no idea. Because he he likely, if he wasn't the MVP, he was going to finish close in the voting uh, before he had that injury late in that year. And then, of course, the rest is history with Foles leading him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was a magical year for, for – and sometimes they happen. Sometimes magical years happen, and you don't know why it all clicks, but it just does, and it never happens again. But with Wentz, we'll never know because the injury just gutted it, and we'll just never know. But I don't, Sam Darnold. I don't. I mean, Arlovsky's really good. I love listening to Dan Arlovsky. I mean, I love. I, I've, he's on my list of people I want to write about someday. I mean, I love listening to him. I love watching him talk. He looks like a goofy little kid, but he's happy and smart and kind of naughty. Like he's the guy that that on Halloween is going to leave you like a a bag of cat turds and you're on your front doorstep and you're going to step on a cat crap. Instead, so, so, you know, he's just like a naughty looking little uh, Eddie Haskell type dude. I like him. Um, <laughs> But if he thinks Sam Darnold's any good, I'm not sure what, what he's seen there. Darnold sucks. Darnold's always sucked. Darnold's one of those guys that, that he's like 6'5", 240, has a strong arm, looks like he ought to be the guy. I think that Sam Darnold is Ryan Carr. Is it Ryan Carr? Who's the car for the – Derek Carr. No, who's the car Derek for Texas? Carr. Ryan Carr is the Pacers director of scouting. Derek right. Carr is the Raiders quarterback. No, who's the quarterback of the Texans? Uh, David Carr. David Carr. Yeah. I see David Carr and Sam Darnold. I see a guy that, boy, he ought to be good. Like, why aren't you good? I don't know. You're just not any good. And Sam Darnold, I don't know why you're not any good, but you're not any good. So go away. I always think whenever you get into the quarterback names thing, Greg, I always think of, what is it, Bobby Bobby Hoyer or for Bobby Hoying? And don't Brian don't Hoyer, go the, there. <laughs> don't go there. Bobby the Hoying. combination? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Ryan uh, Carr. There's a whole lot of cars right here. David <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, let's talk IU. You wrote about Tom Allen as well, uh, a signature win. I tweeted that it, it was more important than the Michigan-Penn State win to me, Greg, not just because Wisconsin is a better team than Michigan and Penn State, but because I, I think the Wisconsin-Indiana series is a microcosm of, of where Indiana football has been for 120 years, where Wisconsin 
was always the team that would embarrass them the absolute most. And, you know, 83-20 10 years ago, the last five meetings, they had outscored them 60-12. to And so for Indiana to keep them out of the end zone and not only win the game but end all of that, to me, was was the biggest indication that this is for real. The, the glass ceiling is shattered. And we're finally kind of moving on from Indiana, putting all of that in the past as a, as a national punchline. Yeah, and, and that wasn't one of those games where, like, Indiana didn't luck into a player that was better than everybody thought. And, I mean, Antoine randall for example, not that they did a whole lot with him, but they, they got a player that's just a unique special talent. Indiana, I mean, Penix is good. He's real good. But this is a, that was a program win. That wasn't a, yeah, well, they recruited so-and-so, and who knew he was going to be that good? No, no, no. That, they just got players up and down the roster, and they got quarterbacks up and down the roster. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if they have another one behind Tuttle. Dexter Williams, a true freshman, I doubt it. Not not yet, anyway. But that, that was a program win. You go on the road, and, yeah, there's no fans, but still, you're on the road. You're not in your building. You got in a plane. You flew. You play in wind chill of one minus one. And, yeah, it's cold in Indiana, but Wisconsin's a lot more used to it than we are. So on the road, bad weather, with a backup quarterback making his first career start ever. And you do that? That's a program win. And I tweeted afterwards that IU played Wisconsin in football and the better program won. And, of course, Wisconsin fans, they're so triggered. I mean, their, their feelings are so hurt. I feel so bad for them. They're, 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 they're so obviously so soft. Like, okay, I'm sorry, guys. I hurt your feelings. That was a program win. And that was a, a better program won that, won that day. Now, it doesn't mean that next year there'll be a better program. But right now, that, that was a program win. Yeah, and it's the blueprint. You know, Wisconsin is the blueprint that Indiana wants to follow. 30 years ago, Wisconsin was Indiana. Wisconsin right. basketball and football, they were terrible. Like, I, I remember even when I was a senior in high school, Indiana on senior day at Wisconsin, with the A.J. Guyton team, 99 or 2000, whatever year it was, they lost at Wisconsin. And it was, like, embarrassing that Indiana lost at Wisconsin. And they haven't won at Wisconsin since. In basketball. And then in football, they hadn't won since 02. Um, they hadn't won there since 01, but it was a 10-game, whatever it was, 17-year losing streak. So, you know, I, I'm not asking Indiana to start going to Rose Bowls all the time and, and playing in Big Ten championships, but I, I do think that Wisconsin is the high watermark for where you want to be if you're Indiana because they were they were terrible for decades. Yeah, Northwestern, and, and too. True. That's true. But speaking of that, um, I think Tom Allen is – the front runner right now has to be for national coach of the year. I think it was Pat Fitzgerald had Northwestern kept winning. Uh, but, but Fitzgerald has, has been there, done that Northwestern. I mean, he's very good, but he's been there, done that. And it's not a, a shock that they're good. I mean, they're always going to be pretty good again with him. What I use doing is shocking, absolutely shocking. And I don't know what, and they're, and they're not like shocking, but ranked 28th. They're shocking and ranked 10th. So someone better be better than them. There's only nine teams better and shocking. Or they're the coach, or Tom Allen's coach of the year, and I think he is. Yeah, the only team that I saw that uh, the only other name that I've seen thrown around is Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Because okay, even, okay, they were they I were good last yeah. year, but you know I can't hate um, that. I can't hate that. He's done a nice job, but yeah. God, it's it's Indiana. I mean, Iowa State. I, Iowa State has been okay. They go to bowl games. I want to say right. They they've won a bowl game in the last thirty years. Unlike Indiana, so Iowa State know. is um, negligibly. Iowa State is negligibly in football better than Indiana. I, I don't have the numbers <laughs> in front of me, but I grew up in the big in the Big Eight with Oklahoma, Nebraska, and all that. Iowa yeah. State is negligibly better than IU. And Matt Campbell, if he wins it, you're not going to see me writing a column saying Tom Allen got screwed. Campbell's good. That's good. But that that's the company Tom Allen's keeping. Like that that's yeah. That's really damn impressive. So he's the Big Ten coach of the year for sure. He is it. He is it. Now, if they lose to Purdue, all bets are off. 
but they're not going to lose to Purdue. They're going to beat Purdue. This game's not going to be close. Yeah, I, I don't. At this point, you know, I, even if Purdue were to stun them in an upset, the, the season is a massive disappointment. There's just there's nothing that they could do Saturday to change that. And right. I, I think, Greg, we've said everything that there is to say. I, I think even Purdue fans are moving on to 2021 at this point. You know, um, you, you'll get to bid adieu to Rondell Moore, unfortunately, under those circumstances with a, another disappointing year. But it, it just kind of is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, uh, as far as what do you think the Big Ten should do, it, it looks like Ohio State and Michigan could happen. Michigan, they, they've restarted some activities. If they were just trying to screw Ohio State, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing right now, which is they're trying to play. I think So I, let's just say they play that. Let, but let's say they don't. Let's say they don't. What, what should happen? Should Ohio State get the birth, the, the, bear, the birth or should IU get it? You know, Ohio State beat them head-to-head. Right. Um, I, I don't like changing the rules after the fact. So I think that's where my problem lies. You know, to me, and, and this is this does not take away anything that Indiana's done. Ohio State is a better team than Indiana. I don't think anybody is, is rationally going to dispute that. Um, so, yeah, I think they should go to the Big Ten title game. But what I don't like is that the conference said, this is the number of games. And look, if, if, if the roles were switched, Indiana absolutely would not play in the Big Ten title game. And you can call me a homer and say, oh, you're an Indiana conspiracy theory and all that. The, the conference is going to – it matters what is on the front of your jersey. And the conference wants to protect Ohio State and their place in the playoff. So, you know, I, I get it. That's their moneymaker. So, I, Greg, I, there's no way Indiana is going to play in the Big Ten title game. I, <laughs> I would be stunned if they put Indiana in that game because I just don't think there's any way that the conference is going to let that happen. You know, I, I think if we could know, if the conference could know that, that Ohio State will get put in the, in the playoff regardless, they're going to go to the CFP regardless. If they could know that, then I'd say put Indiana in the Big Ten Championship game because IU would have earned it. They played enough games and blah, blah, blah. Um, having said that, the National Championship game, that is so much money for the whole conference. Not just for yeah. Ohio State. Everybody makes a killing off them being in there. And with the COVID, with no fans in the stands, with games canceled, with, I mean – Colleges need money right now. They need it bad. I'm not sure it's the worst idea for Ohio State. You know, they need to go to the championship. They need to go to the big one. But if, if the Big Ten could know that, give it to IU. But if the Big Ten doesn't know that, they almost have no choice but to let Ohio State play in the Big Ten title game just because everybody depends on that money. Yeah, and I, you know what, I, honestly, with the way the situation is, if we're assuming that Alabama wins out, and Notre Dame Clemson to me almost doesn't even matter. I, I, Clemson is less likely to survive a loss than Notre Dame is. But, you know, for a long time, I was thinking Notre Dame was going to have to be Clemson. Now I'm not so sure. Notre Dame might be in it with a close loss even. They might still get in. But, you know, Ohio State, the Pac-12 is not going to send anybody. They played like five games in Washington and Oregon. All those teams already lost anyway. Um, the Big 12 is not going to send everybody. anybody. Everybody's got two losses. So you have to find four teams somehow. I think there's a chance that Ohio State's in. No matter what. Um, now, if they lost they, to Michigan, that's different. But right. well, but they, but yeah, if they if they play Michigan, they're going to qualify for the Big Ten championship. Sure. Game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if they play three games, this is just a weird bastardized season, and you're going to have it. You might have a team that's four and zero playing for the national championship. That's just what's going to happen this year. And Ohio State's clearly deserving of that. I don't like their program. I don't like their fans. Um, I like Ryan Day a little bit, but I don't love Ryan Day. So I'm not an Ohio State guy at all. But I mean, they are what they are, and what they are is awesome. Yeah, I mean they're just—they're not Alabama quite, but they're a supernova uh, for By sure. By the way, what they've been able to do. 
by the way, I've I've my challenges to fight. I've been taken. I don't know if you know this, but one person in my entire life has taken me up on it to fight me. A reader. Yeah, he was it was an Ohio State fan about eight years ago. Wow. He was yeah. Um, so you were with CBS then. Yeah, I was at CBS, and and he was talking. I mean, he was coming after me. I mean, like I'm not going after anybody. He's come after me, come after me, and brought up fighting. And then I was lucky. He goes, you're, he goes, you're lucky that I live up in Columbus, or I'd kick your ass. And I was living in Cincinnati, and I said, listen, I'm I'm an hour away, and uh, there's there's a gym that I work <laughs> out at. You can come down to the gym. It costs twenty bucks to spar. I mean, we didn't fight in, a, in an alley. As it costs twenty bucks to spar, I got you. You show up, I'll be there Tuesday and Thursday. Blah, blah, blah. The guy showed up, and we sparred, wow. and uh, and he wasn't any good. I mean, that's that's the most impressive part about it is is I could have killed him. I mean, I could have killed him, but I'm not going to kill him because th- at that point, once he shows up, he's a real person. He didn't show up like screaming at me, cursing so, at me. So you like respected the fact that he oh, actually yeah. put his money where his mouth was. Oh yeah, yeah. We and we we shook hands beforehand, and then. You know, I made sure he he wanted to do what we we're about to do, and we sparred. And I, the, the the boxing has a code, even for a bad guy, a bad boxer like me. There's a code. Whoever's the better boxer goes at the worst guy's speed plus one percent. Like I'm gonna let you have your fun if I'm better than you, but I'm not gonna let you hurt me. And every now and then, if I gotta remind you who's better, I will. But normally, I'm the one being reminded. <laughs> normally, I'm the, I'm the bad guy. But yeah. in this case, I was the good guy, and he wasn't bad. And so anyway, we we went three or four rounds, and he, he almost died from sheer exhaustion. Like I mean, you have no idea how hard it is to fight around how much tense you you get tense. People punching you in the face, and you tense up, and it wears you out. Anyway, he had no chance. But I was impressed the guy showed up. I really was. I I don't know how I, I'm sure there's some relation to it. It's it's obviously less physical um, as far as like getting hurt and all of that, but. As a high school wrestler, the way that I always kind of described wrestling was go up against the wall and push as hard as you can for three straight minutes. And it doesn't sound like much, but when you actually do it, you, you just get wiped out. Like everything tightens up and, you know, you need to be hydrated. And you also not, you know, a lot of times in high school, I was spending the entire day not eating anything, just spitting uh. into a bottle all day. And then you, you get in there and you try to have a match. Speaking of which, talk about burying the lead. I'm not starting to, today. So we're taping this on Tuesday. Starting Wednesday morning until Thursday night, I'm not eating anything. I am having, and this is awful, but I'm having a colonoscopy on Thursday at three. Oh yeah, you, you can't eat the day before, no. so I can't eat all day Wednesday, and then of course oh. I can't eat Thursday morning. I'm gonna go a day and a half, and I normally eat like eight times a day. I'm not one of those guys that I eat all day long. I don't know how I'm gonna make this. I mean, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, and so, they give you that stuff to flush you out, right? Where basically you have to sit on the toilet for like five straight hours. Yeah, they they said you need to be at home. Yeah. Don't like so I'm I'm off I'm off Wednesday and Thursday as much as I can be. And anyway, not looking forward to this. It's routine, no. and everybody out there, if you're 50 or over, it's time to get you know you got to do it. And if you're lucky, you do it. And they tell you, okay, do it again in 12 years. We don't need to see you again. But you got to go. Yeah. All kidding aside, I mean, it really is. It's the most uncomfortable stuff you know, talking about those things, but really you need to go and get it checked out. Um, I'm trying to see, is there anything else we missed? I don't think we did. Cause I, oh, I wanted the, to give our... a, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Um, you know, we lost a couple of, in, in, you know, for us in the sports scene, we have kind of our circle and then there's a, a music scene as well that your former colleague Dave Lindquist knows well. Um, right. And two figures from that scene, DJ Indiana Jones and, and, uh, he was known as Deuce. Joey Agan was his name from a long time with X103 and the iHeart Cluster, um, both tragically passing away. I believe, I know Ron was 50. I, I think 
Deuce was 52. So they were both um, around the same age and um, tragic, sudden, you know, it's, it's horrible. There are, um, there are a lot of people that love this city, Greg, you're one of them. And, and I've told you that on the show that I think that's what people appreciate the most is that even though you're not from here, you deeply love Indianapolis. You know, we've talked about Jay Quarry, my co-host who, who deeply loves yeah. it. I deeply love Indy. You know, those two guys loved Indy um, and it's sad. And anytime, anytime something like that happens, yeah, it's a loss of a life and it's terrible, but it, but it hurts the city as well. You know what I mean? Because those guys were philanthropic and they, they just did a lot for the community. Yeah, there aren't that many, and there certainly aren't enough forces for good in this world. There just aren't, yeah. and the world needs them, the country needs them, the state needs them, every city needs them, and that's it's. Uh, I'm, I hate hearing that we lost two forces for good. It, it stinks for sure. Uh, check out Greg's latest work, Big Ten ACC Challenge, coming up here. Um, I know that we're taping this on Tuesday, but Purdue uh, later on this afternoon, evening, and then Indiana tomorrow, uh, Miami and Florida State. They're two opponents. Um, also, you can check out Greg's work as far as the Colts is concerned, and Tom Allen. But my also, favorite player, I wrote about Kenny Moore. Who, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Moore, Moore that's out. right. I like Kenny Moore so much, I think I kind of make him nervous sometimes. But I, anyway, I had a good Kenny Moore column. I don't know if it was good. Kenny Moore is a good topic, so I was enjoying it. And Marms, I know that it was it was sad, but it's also a heartwarming tale of, of your son Jackson with, with his cat, um, if you haven't checked that out yet. IndyStar.com, like, subscribe, the IndyStar app as well, and we'll be back with another edition of Doyle and Derek next week. Until then, Greg, take care, buddy. All right, handsome hipster. Ha, ha, ha.